Hello. Thank you for listening to the Avenue GCLC podcast. My name is Christopher Stevens, and I'm the minister at the Avenue G Church of Christ, where we are people of more. We hope that you enjoy and have enjoyed listening to this podcast, where you can find sermons, congregational singing, and talk shows with myself and youth minister Joshua Williams. We pray that the content is a blessing to you, and we hope that everyone listening can join us in person for worship and Bible class. We are located at 601 West Avenue G, Temple, Texas, 76504. And don't forget to visit us online at avegcoc.org. From the people of war to you, thank you and God bless. It's a blessing to be here with you all on this morning to both proclaim the word of God and to worship God in spirit and in truth. On this morning, I come to you with us with uh, our last lesson uh, that is attached to our yearly theme of forgiven. All throughout the year of 2019, we have been looking at this idea of forgiveness, this idea of letting go of some past hurt some past thing, something someone has done, something you have done to yourself in order to reestablish a good relationship. And I want to come to you to start off this morning by talking to you about a place called Nineveh. How many of you heard of Nineveh before? Raise your hand if you heard about Nineveh. Nineveh is an ancient Near Eastern city where we see it mentioned lots of times in the Bible, and it's often we often attach the city of Nineveh to the name Jonah. Do we remember Jonah? Now, when we look at the city of Nineveh, the city of Nineveh was the capital of this great people nation called Assyria. And what they would do in Assyria and Nineveh was they were a bunch of bullies. These people would go to different places and take over places and attack places, and they would impose their will on people who were weaker than they were. They loved to play mind games. They would go into cities and they would stand outside of the walls. And before they even tried to overtake the city walls, they would tell them, hey, we're going to take you over. Are you sure you want to put up a fight against us? And if you would go, if they would go to this city and the people did not take their offer, they would then go to a weaker town and they would destroy it. And they wouldn't just destroy the town, but they would go into the town and they would rape the inhabitants. They would mutilate their bodies, taking their body parts off. They would skin people alive. They would gouge their eyeballs out. And they would take those body parts of the people that they had maimed and they would put them inside of their city so that people would know we are not one to be played with. And so it's no wonder why When Jonah is told by God, God tells Jonah, I want you to go to this people and proclaim my word to them. Jonah says, I'm going the other way. Jonah goes the other way. But as we look at this this concept of the city of Nineveh, a lot of us have some Ninevehs in our lives. 
something that has hurt us in the past, a toxic environment that we used to be a part of, and that now we choose to avoid instead of conquer. We have past relationships that have been ruined and that continue to be ever-present on our mind. We have traitorous friendships that we used to be involved with, and we want nothing to do with those past situations. We allow it to change us and take us off the course of God's way, much like it did Jonah. And if we do not learn to forgive the things, the people, the events of the past, we too will be thrown off course. Remember what it means to forgive. We've talked about this throughout the year, and we've said that forgiveness is the wiping out of an offense from memory. It can be affected only by the one affronted. That means a person who was hurt or the person who was done wrong. It can only be changed by that person. Once eradicated, the offense no longer conditions the relationship between the offender. That means that when I choose to forgive someone, when I choose to forgive a situation, when I choose even to forgive myself, that means I can't be going back into the past and pulling that thing up to affect the relationship anymore. And today we're going to look at this forgiveness, but in the context of our past. And if you're one that takes notes, I want to again remind you of my definition of forgiveness. And it simply is, forgiveness is the letting go of harmful actions to reestablish a loving relationship. Forgiveness is the letting go of harmful actions to reestablish a loving relationship. Forgiveness always involves two, two ways. Forgiveness is an interpersonal conflict, and it usually involves a horizontal and a vertical relationship. This horizontal relationship is the relationship between you and another human being. This vertical relationship is between us and God and the forgiveness that he has given to us. And so we must ask ourselves the question on this morning, when you are unable to be forgiving of the past, how does it affect you? Is it truly possible to move forward with God if you're holding on to the past? And the question that we often ask ourselves, where was God when what happened to me in the past happened? Where was he at when all of these things were going on? And like I said earlier, we can totally understand Jonah. When God tells Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh, this terrible place with these terrible people, and I want you to tell them that I'm going to destroy everything. I'm going to make sure that the people aren't there. I'm going to make sure that the animals suffer. I'm going to destroy everything. God says, I want you to go take that message to those dangerous people. And Jonah knows very well that these people aren't ones to be played with. He knows even these people are going to play a part in the destruction of Jerusalem. So what happens is, Jonah, as we know, is swallowed by this great fish because he doesn't listen to God. He tries to go on a boat and go the opposite direction. And God says, hold up, Jonah. I told you to do something. and You didn't do it. This great fish swallows up Jonah. He's in the belly of this great fish. And he starts to think about his, about his life. And you know, God puts us in those, those dark places sometimes. He puts us in those dark places sometimes. When we're disobedient to God, we say, God, I don't want to do what you want me to do. And so God will say, I'm going to allow you to end up in a stinky, dark 
damp, unwanted, undesirable place. And it gives us some time to think about the things that we've done. Jonah thinks about what he's done, and he said, God, I, I, I want to do your will now. Now, God, I'm ready to do what it is that you want me to do. I, I, I just want to be about your will. And God says, okay, Jonah, I'm going to tell this great fish that I have appointed, that I have prepared. I'm going to tell this great fish to spit you out. And the great fish spits Jonah out. He's on dry land. He goes into Nineveh. He preaches to this great city of Nineveh filled with hundreds of thousands of people. And guess what happens? Everybody in the city repents and they choose to follow God. And God relents from his anger. And God says, I'm not going to destroy them. I'm not going to do all these terrible things that I said I was going to do to them because they repented and they were true with their repentance. And God is pleased. Now, if I go into a city, if I were to proclaim the word of God to the city of temple and the whole city is converted, and believes on God and changes their heart, I'm happy and I'm pleased with it. My heart is happy. But Jonah's a different cat. He's a different kind of guy. Let's turn our Bibles to Jonah chapter 4. Jonah chapter 4, verse number 1. We're going to be reading the New King James Version on this morning. Jonah chapter 4, verse number 1. Brother Arnold, read that verse for me, if you would. Jonah chapter 4. Verse number one. Say amen if you're there. Amen. All right, we got pages still turning. It's a little bit harder not having the scriptures on the screen, isn't it? We're turning our Bibles on this morning. Jonah chapter four, verse number one. Jonah chapter four, verse number one. What page is that in the Pew Bibles this morning? Is someone using the Pew Bible? 452? 452 in your Pew Bible. Jonah chapter 4, some of us looking and said, it ain't where I thought it was. <laughs> Somebody moved it. <laughs> it's in the Old Testament, page 452. Jonah chapter 4, verse number 1. Jonah chapter 4, verse number 1. Brother Arnold, read that. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. The Bible says in Jonah chapter 4, verse 1, it says that when the people repented, and whenever he, had, after he had proclaimed the word of God, that Jonah was displeased and it greatly displeased him. And then he did what? And he became angry. It says that he became angry. Jonah, seeing the repentance of all of these people, these heathen in this city, he sees this repentance and he becomes angry. This is strange. He's God's man. He is the one who proclaims the word of God. And when he proclaims God's message, the people repent and he's angry. And if we drop down to verse number two, so he prayed to the Lord and he said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? We get, a, we get to see that Jonah had a conversation with God when he was back home. He said, God, I told you this whenever I was back home. I told you this would happen. He's, he's talking kind of reckless to God, right? He said, God, I told you this was going to happen. Read, Brother Arnold, verse number two. So he prayed to the Lord and uh -huh. said, Our Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Uh -huh. Therefore, I fled previously to Tarshish. He said, I told you this. This is why I went the opposite direction. Keep reading. For I know that you are a gracious and he merciful says, God. He says, I know that you are gracious. So, I know that you're merciful. Slow to anger. Uh-huh. And abundant in loving kindness. Uh-huh. One who relents from doing harm. Uh-huh. Therefore. So what he says here, what he says here, 
Listen to what he's saying. He says, we see in this verse that God and jo- Jonah had previously had a conversation about the folks in Nineveh. And what he's saying here is, God, I knew that you were a gracious God. God, I knew that you were a merciful God. God, I knew that you were slow to anger. And I knew that you were abundant in love and kindness. I knew that you were one who relented, one who changed his mind from doing harm. God, I knew that you were possible or capable of changing your mind. And he's upset about that. And he rightly defines God. He, he, he doesn't say anything wrong here in what he says. He says, God, I knew that you were full of grace. I knew you were full of mercy. I knew that you were capable of changing your mind. He defines God perfectly. And a lot of us in here, and I want you to catch this, a lot of us in here know of God, but we do not have have a relationship with him. A lot of us know of God, but we do not have a relationship with him. It's very possible for God's people to know of God and not know him. I've read a book called Becoming, and it's about the life of Michelle Obama. Beautiful person, grew up in Chicago Grew up in a Poe family. I, I, you know what? After reading the book, she couldn't even afford that. Oh, she grew up in a Poe family. They grew up in the back part of her, of her family's house, all of her family in two rooms. She had a one room that she shared with her brother where they put a sheet up to divide the room. And that's how they made their two bedrooms. She grew up. She, she taught herself. She learned early how to read. She learned how to play piano. She did all these great things, went to college. She's the one that gave Obama a job, right? She was above Obama. She employed him before he even got his thing going. He was the one chasing after her. And I know all these facts about Michelle Obama, and I know of her, yet if I were to see her in person, she's not going to come up to me and say, hey, Chris, how you doing? Because I don't have a relationship with her. And a lot of times, that is exactly how we are with God. We read about God. We know what God has done. We know why God does the things that he does, but yet we don't have a relationship with him at all. Here God's man is, standing in front of a city that has just repented and changed their heart, and he is full of anger because he has no regard for anybody else because he can't let go of the Nineveh of the past. And if we can't get out of the way of what happened to us in our past, what somebody else did, what situation happened, what we did to ourselves, guess what? We are going to know of God and not have a relationship with him. And so we see that God says, okay, Jonah, you're angry. Jonah, I understand that you have rightly defined who I am. God, God is rightly defined by Jonah. And so we see in verse number three of Jonah chapter four, the Bible says what? Therefore now, Uh oh Lord, please take my life from me. Now Jonah's just being overly dramatic right now. He says, God, I'm angry. Please just take my life. I want to die. Can you just imagine Jonah? He's like Fred Sanford. He's just, oh, here's the big one. God, I can't take anymore. I need to go. God, I would rather be dead to live in a world where you allowed these evil people called the Ninevites to continue to live. You said you were going to do this one thing, but I knew that you had grace. I knew that you had mercy, and I knew that you would change your mind. 
Please take my life. It's better for me to die than to live. And what does verse number four say? Then the Lord said. God responds to him. He doesn't say stupid. He just says, he, he asks right him a for, question. Is it right for you to be angry? He simply asked Jonah, are you justified in your anger? Is it right for you to be angry about what's happening right now? And Jonah's so caught up in himself right now at this point in time, and he's so caught up in what happened and what used to be Nineveh and what happened in his past and how those people hurt him and how those friends hurt him. And, and that's us, right? And how, and how that relationship was ruined and it ruined my life and how that job did me wrong. And so now I have to be guarded and I can't let people into love and this relationship that I used to be in. Now I have to be a bitter man and a bitter woman and I can't really accept love. I have to be nasty toward people so that if they hurt me, I can prove that I can be nasty back. And all these things happen in my life. And I can't be who God needs me to be. And I can't have a relationship with God because I can't, I can't, I can't let go of the past. This hurt that happened to me won't allow me to be who God wants me to be. I can't stop thinking about what happened and the brokenness that, came, that I came from. I can't forget my church family that hurt me. This past, it just got a hold on me. And so God would be well, would do well to ask us, are we justified in not letting go of the past? Are we justified in not letting go of the past? Are we right in not letting go of the past? Verse number five there, Brother Arnold, what does it say? So Jonah went out of the city. So Jonah, he, he, he leaves out of, out of the, the city. And sat on the east side of the city. And he sat on the east side of the city. Now I want you to understand that when we read uh, biblical literature, when we read the Bible, and especially when you look at the Old Testament, anything that comes out of the East is usually never good, okay? Now, now, when, we, when, we, when I had the opportunity to fly over to Jerusalem uh, with my class, uh, there, there was this great body of water uh, that sat on the one side of the Holy Land, and that was the west side, the Mediterranean Sea, right? And we arrived there in the evening, and when the evening came and the wind blew in, man, that was, it, it felt like air conditioning, y'all. It was beautiful. But guess what's on the east side of all that holy land? Desert and heat and sand. And when you get those winds from that side, it's not a good thing, all right? And so what God is doing right here, God is, God is about to prepare and appoint some things to open the eyes of Jonah. Keep reading here, Brother Arnold. Start from the beginning again, that verse. So Jonah went out of the city uh -huh. and sat on the east side he, of the city. He sat on the east side of the city. There he made himself a shelter. He made himself a shelter. And now I want you to understand that when we look at this word shelter here in the text, what Jonah made is this makeshift shack. It's not even as good as a shack. What he made was a lean-to. Y'all know about a lean-to? No? Or what about, uh, well, here, here, let me give you a good example. My, my grandma, Shane, right, she used to live in this house over in East Temple, right? And that house, we, we used to go over there as kids, and I, I don't know if that house, did that, I don't know if that house had the, 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 the right parts for what makes up a house, right? It was something that was put together with the materials that they had at the time. And they built that house up, and that house stood for a very long time, right? So they had a shack or something similar to what you call a, a shotgun house, 
You see those shotgun houses where you can walk into the front door and walk straight back out the back door? All right? They take the materials that they have and they put together something. This is what Jonah did. Jonah said, I'm going to take something uh, It's probably made up of plants, and they weave these plants together, and he built up a shelter. I don't want you to think that he made a house for himself, okay? What Jonah did here, he built up a little make-to-lean-to shack shelter to provide some shade for himself. It says that he made a shelter. Read that part again. There he made himself a shelter uh-huh. and sat under it in the shade. He sat under it in the shade. till he might see what would become of the city. So he's sitting there. Jonah's sitting there, and he's still waiting for God to take this city out. He built up his shelter for himself, and he's sitting there waiting to see what's going to happen to Nineveh. Maybe me saying that I'm going to take my own life and that I want to die will make God change his mind again and destroy the Ninevites. And so he's sitting there in this makeshift shelter. And as I'm looking at this, as I'm reading the word of God, and I said to myself, Jonah building this shelter is much of the same what we do today. You see, what we do today is, is that when we have these harsh elements coming down upon us, like the sun was shining down on Jonah, we go and we make for ourselves some comforts, right? We make for ourselves some shacks that are made of alcohol, that are made of drugs to make ourselves feel comfortable for a moment. And they're not as good as the the edifice that God can supply for us and to keep us out of the shade, but there's something that's just good enough for the time being. It won't last when a storm comes. It won't stand up against the elements, but yet we will build this shack and we'll call it Mary. And we say, man, Mary sure is good. She is my shack. She keeps me protected from everything and everything I could ever think of. And Billy Joe over here, he is my shack. He is my shelter. I don't need God because I have him. And, and, and this addiction of mine that I have with social media, this is my shelter because I go here and I look at other people's lives and I say, my life ain't that bad, so I must be doing something good. And that makes me feel good about myself. And so we build all these temporary structures that can't stand up to what is actually out there that can harm us, just like Jonah did. And then God has to put us into our place. God has to put us into our place and get our hearts to start thinking right again. And so he goes outside the east side of the city. He's sitting there waiting for the city to be destroyed because he's only concerned about himself. In verse number six, read that. And the Lord God prepared a plant and made it come over Jonah. And so God here, it says that God prepared a plant or God appointed a plant. Now, I want you to understand that God is going to give Jonah three things that he has appointed. Three things that he has appointed. I want you to see something here. God has appointed, has appointed this plant. And it says that he made it come up over Jonah that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. Now, I want you to understand this plant, this castor oil plant that God has prepared to come up. This plant is a plant that actually grows there. This plant has many different type of leaves that would grow up high enough to actually blot out the sun. And so what God does first is he says, Jonah, I'm preparing something for you that is better than what you even deserve. I'm going to give you a good thing. And some of us in this life are given good things by God even when we don't deserve them. 
God has given us good things in families. God has given us good things in spouses, in jobs, in education, and all these things God continues to bless us with, even when we aren't deserving of what God has given us. And so I want you to see here in this moment in time that God has appointed this plant. God is the one that made the plant come about. God is in the good thing that has been prepared for Jonah. But keep reading here, Brother Arnold. Jonah was very grateful for the plan. And Jonah's grateful for this plan. Keep reading. But as morning dawned the next day. But as morning comes, keep going. God prepared a worm. The same word is used again. It says that God appointed a worm. God says, here's this good thing. And now, here, Jonah, here, take this worm and watch what this worm does. And it so damaged the plant that it withered. This worm attacked this plant that was giving Jonah the coverage that he needed. This worm took the shade away that was prepared by God that completely blotted out the sun. The good thing that God had prepared for Jonah, God appointed this worm and he said, I want you worm to attack this plant. Take it out. And what happens? And it happened when the sun arose. And when the sun God, comes up, come on. That God prepared a vehement It says wind. again, the third thing that God prepared, God appointed what? A vehement east wind. It says God prepared a vehement and aggressive east wind. That wind that comes that make your lips chap. That wind that comes that makes your skin so dry that it comes and it starts to dry up and crack and bleed. God said, I'm not blowing it wind in from the Mediterranean. I gave you a good thing. God says, now I'm giving you this east wind, this wind that comes from the desert, this wind that's going to cause you actual discomfort. You, so, you see, sometimes we have our children and they complain about life. And we think to ourselves, if they only knew how good they had. If they only knew how good they have it. Jonah was saying he wanted to die because some people repented and turned their hearts to God. God had to open his eyes to some things. Jonah, you don't have it as hard as you think you have it. Let me show you something. God is saying, let me open your eyes to what's real. Let me open your eyes to what's real. You know, I love watching that TV show where they take those bad little kids and the ones that act like they want to be thugs and gangsters and this and that and the other, they take them into the prisons. And they say, this is where you want to end up? And they'll go and put them in front of some real, some real thugs and some real gangsters and some people who will actually kill people. And all of a sudden, their whole mind has changed because now they see this is the real thing. And so now Jonah is dealing with this real problem that he has on his hands. And what, does, what happens next? Come on, brother, I'm read. <laughs> and the sun beat on Jonah's head. And the sun beat on his head. So that he grew faint. Uh-huh. Then he wished death for himself. He's growing faint because his sun is beating up on his body, and now he's actually on his way towards death. And now he says something. Then he wished what? It is better for me to die than to live. He says now he wishes death on himself. It's better for me to die than to live. Then God said to Jonah. Then God says to Jonah. Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, is it right for me to be angry even to death? He says, God asked him. But the Lord said. Hold up. You you want it to be over, but I'm trying to teach. God asked him, are you justified in being angry for this plant? God is telling him. God is telling Jonah. Jonah, you you didn't plant the seed for that plant. 
Jonah, you didn't water the soil so this plant can be fed to grow. Jonah, you didn't even make sure that the plant grew up straight, and yet you're upset because this plant has died. Jonah, I was in that good thing. Jonah, I was in the worm. Jonah, I was in the east wind. You're upset because this plant died, and you had nothing to do with it. You had nothing to do with the life of this plant. Read that next verse now, Brother Arnold. I know you read it. But the Lord said. But the Lord said. You have had pity on the plant for uh-huh. which you have not labored, uh-huh. nor made it grow, uh-huh. which came up in the night and perished in the night. Mm-hmm. And should I not pity Nineveh, mm-hmm. that great city, in which you are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left? Pause right there. God is saying, you care more about this plant, which you had nothing to do with, than the people in which I knew before they were them. I knew them before they knew themselves. I knew them before their mother saw them as they came out of the womb. I knew these folks before they grew up into adults. And God says, they don't know their left from their right. And you feel nothing for them. Over 120,000 people, you feel nothing for them. And you're angry because they have been saved based on what they did in the past. What can we see in this? Those situations, those people, those relationships, those jobs, all of those hurt situations in our past. What if, what if they didn't know better? What if they didn't know better? What if those situations happened to you because you were to play a part in their repentance? What if those situations happened to you because God believed that you were strong enough to handle them properly? Because we can handle some situations, can't we? The wrong way. What if God gave them to you and appointed those situations for you because you can handle them properly. God says there's over 120,000 people here that don't know their left from their right. They don't know any better. And they needed you, Jonah. They needed you, Jonah, so they could see and so that they can hear me. What relationship have you held on to What bad thing have you held on to the past that's keeping you from being who God would have you to be? That's a question that we got to ask ourselves. I need someone right now. Uh, Dayton, you look like you're ready. Uh, come Come up here to the communion table, Dayton. He looked like he wanted to be a part of this. Dayton, I have here something for you. give you something. This right here. This is this is sugar. Uh, take take some of that. Just taste that. Let us know how you feel about it. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Take. No, no, take the whole thing, man. <laughs> take the yep, go ahead, take it. Yeah, just take it all. Just put it on there. It's sugar. It's sugar. How how is that sugar, Dayton? Sweet, right? It's sweet. Yeah? I mean, would you be opposed to having this on a daily basis? No, you would be opposed to it, right? 
see, when God gives us the good things, we don't mind partaking in them, right? It's good when God gives us good things. We're thankful when God gives us good things. Here, here's something that's a little bit different. This, this, this ain't as good as this, but it's still good, right? Here, try this. Try some of this. Huh? You don't want it? You don't eat butter on toast? Now, now you volunteer. You got to have a little bit. Taste it. How? How, how is that? Huh? Not as good? Not as good as sugar, right? Right? Sometimes God will come into our lives and we have the, the, the okay situations. Now, butter is good on toast. Butter is good on garlic bread and, and other things, right, that we eat butter on. But butter by itself is not good, right? Now, this, on the other hand, it's a totally different story. You like chocolate? You like chocolate? Yeah? Taste this right here. Yeah. What? But it's chocolate. It's chocolate, right? Now, see, now I, f- I fell into this whenever I was a kid. I thought because it was cocoa, Hershey's cocoa, that this was like chocolate in powder form. And so I took a big spoonful too. But I want you to know that sometimes God will appoint some bitter things in your life, right? And he will. God was in the good things for Jonah, just like God is in the good things that happen in your life. God is even in the okay parts of your life. He's there. Sometimes he'll point a situation for you to go through it. And it won't be as good as the good thing, but it'll be decent. And sometimes God will appoint some bitter things in your life, right? But here's what we got to understand. We can't, look, this is what happened. Let, let me teach you. Well, let me teach you. This is a teachable moment right here. Sometimes what we do is this. We taste the bitterness from God and we say, you know what? God allowed me to taste something bitter, and now I don't want nothing to do with this. I don't want nothing to do with this. I want to do with God, so I'm never going to taste this again because God let me taste this. And what will happen is, is that if we continue to believe this lie that God is not good, and if we continue to do things our own way, God will say, okay, if you want to believe that thing, I'm going to let you keep thinking that this is all that I have to offer. And guess what? When we do this, look at this. When we do this, we miss out on this. You see, because this takes some sugar. This takes some cocoa. This takes some butter. Right? But if we are unwilling to partake of all of these things that God has to provide for us, we will never become this. And guess what? If we're willing to take the good and the okay and the bitter, we can be useful for others too. If I thank you. If if I'm a cake, if I allow the things that God has provided in my life to make me be just like that delicious hostess cake, guess what? I'm of use to others. And other people can taste and see how good God is, but you'll never become that if you're afraid to go through this. Take this past situation and this past situation and this past situation and allow for God to make you who he wants you to be. Amen? That's my message for this morning. I want you to understand 
that God loves you. That's, that's the first thing I want you to understand. I need you to believe that. Everybody in here, I want you to believe this. God loves you. He knows where you are. He knows who you are. And he knows what you can't see. God wants you to be a part of his family. But guess what? Because of the things that we've done in our past, because of the things that we've done in our past, we make that impossible to be a part of God's family. But God says, I'm going to help you overcome you. So he sent his son Jesus down here and he said, you will become man. You will live the life that they live. You will feel what they feel, pain, emotion, all of these things, yet you will remain perfect. You will die on the cross and you will become a perfect sacrifice so that they can follow your path and become like you, an eternal living being forever with God. And God not only offers a life of rescuing and salvation after this life, God will rescue you today. God will rescue you from bad relationships. God will rescue you even in the midst of you being on a bad job. God will rescue you when you can't forgive yourself. God provides salvation from things here and later. But you have to believe. You have to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You have to repent of your sins. That means that you change your mind about the sin that you used to be involved with. You say, I don't want to live this way no more. It doesn't mean that I won't make mistakes. But you change your mind about those things and say, this isn't pleasurable. This isn't something that I want to do. You confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And you must be baptized for the mission of your sins. This baptism that we engage in is not just us getting wet. It's a reenactment of the gospel, the death, the burial, and resurrection. When we go down as the old us, who we used to be, all of the sins that we committed in our past, it meets the blood of Jesus in the water. That blood of Jesus washes all of those sins away. God no longer holds us accountable for what we've done in our past. When we come out of the water, we rise like Jesus rose, and we're new creatures in Christ. I invite you to come forth today. I invite you to come forth today. As we sing the song of invitation, we're going to sing, I surrender all. I didn't put it in the book, but I think we got it memorized. All to Jesus I surrender all to him.